In preparation for today's message, we shall be reading from the book of Exodus, chapter 16, verses 7 to 36. And in the morning you will see the glory of the Lord, for he hears your grumblings against the Lord. And what are we that you grumble against us? Moses said, This will happen when the Lord gives you meat to eat in the evening, and bread to the full in the morning. For the Lord hears your grumblings, which you grumble against him. And what are we? Your grumblings are not against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, Say to all the congregation of the sons of Israel, Come near before the Lord, for he has heard your grumblings. It came about as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the sons of Israel, that they looked toward the wilderness. And behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, I have heard the grumblings of the sons of Israel. Speak to them, saying, At twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God. So it came about that evening that the quails came up and covered the camp, and in the morning there was a layer of two around the camp. When the layer of two evaporated, behold, on the surface of the wilderness there was a fine flake-like thing, fine as the frost on the ground. When the sons of Israel saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, It is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather of it every man as much as he should eat. You shall take an omer apiece, according to the number of persons each of you has in his tent. The sons of Israel did so, and some gathered much and some little. When they measured it with an omer, he who had gathered much had no excess, and he who had gathered little had no lack. Every man gathered as much as he should eat. Moses said to them, Let no man leave any of it until morning. But they did not listen to Moses, and some left part of it until morning, and it bred worms and became foul. And Moses was angry with them. They gathered it morning by morning, every man as much as he should eat. But when the sun grew hot, it would melt. Now on the sixth day, they gathered twice as much bread, two omers for each one. When all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, then he said to them, This is what the Lord meant. Tomorrow is a Sabbath observance, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake and boil what you will boil. And all that is left over, put aside to be kept until morning. So they put it aside until morning as Moses had ordered. And it did not become foul, nor was there any worm in it. Moses said, Eat it today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will be none. It came about on the seventh day that, Moses, that some of the people went out to gather, but they found none. Then the Lord said to Moses, how long do you refuse to keep my commandments and my instructions? See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, he gives you bread for two days. On the sixth day, remain every man in his place. Let no man go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. The house of Israel named it manna, and it was like coriander seed. White in its taste was like wafers with honey. Then Moses said, This is what the Lord has commanded. Let an omer full of it be kept throughout your generations. 
that they may see the bread that I fed you in the wilderness when I brought you out of the land of Egypt. Moses said to Aaron, Take a jar and put an omer full of manna in it and place it before the Lord to be kept throughout your generations. As the Lord commanded Moses, so Aaron placed it before the testimony to be kept. The sons of Israel ate the manna forty years until they came to an inhabited land. They ate the manna until they came to the border of the land of Canaan. Now an omer is a tenth of an ephah. Praise God for the reading of his word. You may now be seated. Exodus chapter 16. We preached on the first part last week, and right now we are on verses 7 to 36. And the title is Manna and Meat. The bread from heaven, as we preached last time, came in the morning because Israel grumbled and God, despite their grumbling, in his goodness and grace, still provided for their needs. It wasn't God who called it manna. It was Israel who called it manna. And uh, if I were to imagine it, it tastes like perhaps pancake with honey, perhaps. Well, I'm not a chef. Doi was trying to explain to me what coriander seed is. I couldn't get it until I taste it. So, but he knows, I, knows it better. So just ask him when he gets back. So, no, so here was Israel. Here was Israel from, from Egypt. Complaining against God, but God continuously providing. Miraculously providing. And then they would feel thirsty they would complain they would find water and they would say this is bitter and they would blame Moses did you bring us here to die and uh, Moses would pray and God would uh, would change the water give him wisdom how to deal with the water then they can drink the water then God brought them to a place Elim of 12 springs and 70 date palms and they were refreshed and they traveled again and this time they were hungry and instead of saying to Moses respectfully, Moses, we're hungry, we have children, we have flocks, what shall we do? Shall we pray to God? Instead of just saying that, they would say, did you bring us here to die? In Egypt, we had pots of meat and bread. Yes, that is true. Even though they were slaves, they were well provided with food. So they were so focused on the problem in front of them that they forgot the goodness of God in the past. And I said, that looks like a lot of us today. When God, we testify of God's goodness, yet when there's a problem in front, we blame everybody or we blame at least one person and, and, and fear the worst. And they were verbalizing that what they think the worst would happen. We're going to die. Are you going to, did you bring us here to die? They thought of the worst. And uh, even though God miraculously opened the Red Sea and defeated the Egyptians, he sent plague after plague against Egypt, gave them water. And instead of understanding that God at times would make stretch you and then provide at the last minute. I've seen God in the Bible like that. And I have observed that in my life as well. And I know in your life as well. Where he would just strengthen your faith to keep believing because you know at the last minute, at the last moment, if it is not yet God's will for you to go home, he will provide. He will protect. So 
God heard the grumbling of the people of Israel, yet he still provided for their needs. That's who our God is. There are times we grumble. We complain. There are times we don't react the right way. Instead of acting in faith, instead of trusting God through the trial, some of us complain, some of us grumble, and some of us blame. And it's scary that some of us blame God. If you blame God, you don't understand the sovereignty of God. If you blame God, you don't understand the fear of God. If you blame God, you don't understand the Holy Scriptures. If you know how loving He is, yet how terrifying He is on His other side. And we will see that as we continue to study Scripture. The only response is to trust God with what's happening. God would remain faithful to his promise to Abraham, even if they, meaning Israel, did not learn to fear him nor respect his servants, Moses and Aaron, God still provided. Why? Because he has a promise to Abraham. He promised Abraham that Abraham would be a father of many nations, but not only that. The, only, the promise to Abraham is not only to be a father, to have many descendants, not just that, but it is also what? The promise, Abraham would be blessed to be a blessing to all the nations of the earth. And the promise would be fulfilled in Christ. When Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations. When Jesus said through Luke, that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be preached to all the nations. It is actually a fulfillment of the Abrahamic promise that all nations, all families should be blessed through the seed of Abraham. Although this promise is still an ongoing thing today. The promise would be fulfilled in Christ who would one day be born a descendant of David who is a descendant of Abraham. Christ's disciples would make disciples of all ethne or all nations. And if you are a disciple of Christ, if you are a follower of Christ, then we must bless others in the name of Christ and share the gospel to others, not only here, but to different ethnicities, to different nations of the world. The whole congregation grumbled against Moses and Aaron because they were hungry. Angry because of hungry I think there's a new term, right? Hangry, right? So to be angry and hungry. They were angry because they were hungry. They could have praised God and prayed in faith for his provisions. Do we praise God when we are hungry? Do we praise God when we lack, when we don't have money? Do we praise God when some, sometimes we feel like, like some of our relationships are not doing well? Do we thank God because we know that he is in control and that he, is, he will give us wisdom? Do we trust God when, when there is nothing left, when there is a problem coming and uh, you feel hopeless? Do we trust God or do we just complain? I hope we praise God and I hope we act in faith. And say, Lord, whatever happens, your will be done in my life. Your will be done. But let me just say this to you. God will allow you to be hungry and thirsty. God will allow you to lack something every now and then. God will allow you to go through difficult trials because it is then that we become stronger in mind and emotion and in faith. But yet some of us never learn. 
You see, you're, you're, you go through a trial so that we may learn from it. And if we learn from it, somehow I believe there is like, okay, you go to the next door, the next part of your journey. But some of us never leave a certain part of our journey because we keep recycling what, whatever happens to us. We don't learn anything. It's still the same problem. It's still the same uh, bitterness. It's the same samanang loob for all these years. You haven't learned to forgive. Then how would you go to the next level? How would you go to the next part of your journey? And it should be an exciting journey. There comes a time when all these little things do not affect us anymore. When God allows us to face the problems or to be useful to the problems of others. Then we are salt and light to others. Then we are a blessing to others. But we, if we are so focused so much, we never overcome the little things. I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. You did this. You did that. We never overcome that. We never appreciated it. God made us go through it for a higher purpose. Can you say higher purpose? higher purpose? You see, why did God provide for Israel? Yes, he is love. I know that. But he's also just. In their grumbling, he should have spanked them. And he will later on. He will. He will hit them later on. For such is the God of the Bible. But he is also merciful if they ask for forgiveness. That's an obvious thing as well. Who God is. And through Christ as well, not only forgiveness temporarily, but, but salvation, eternal life through Christ. He offers that. You see, God provides for us because of the higher purpose. His higher purpose in Christ. Can you say in Christ? Please do not make yourself the center of the Bible. You are not the center of the Bible. Don't treat it as if you're the center of the Bible. That Christianity is about God providing for you. It's about making you happy. Well, God is good and he gives us joy, but the Bible is not about your happiness. It's not about our happiness. It is about his divine plan for the universe. How many would come to Christ and share eternity with him. It's a grand plan. Some of us will go there sooner than later. Some of us will come later. Some of us will suffer more on earth. Some of us will suffer less. But it is about God's plan. We don't compare our own journeys to one another. We don't say, Lord, how come you blessed him with this and you did not bless me with this? How come he has this, she has this, and I don't have this or that? It's not about that. Please do not be pressured with this world. Do not allow the culture of the world, the thinking of the world to influence your mindset. Our mindset must be on scripture. What he said. Our validity or self-esteem is not found on anyone else. But with our identity in Christ. The whole congregation grumbled. But God would still provide. Because he has a higher purpose. Not because you're so good. But without... The suffering, we don't improve. You think a soldier becomes a good fighter automatically without fighting smaller battles? You think Mani Pacquiao would be eight-time world champion without going through the first when he was skinny, a skinny little kid? He had to experience that so much, getting hit, suffering, going through rigorous training. The thing for us, 
whether you want it or not, God will take you to it. Isn't God good? Well, if he wants to share eternity with you through Christ, then part of being in Christ, it is experiencing the trials of life. That's just part of the package. So if somebody preaches to you and says, everything's going to be all right. You know, everything's going to be all right about your soul. Huh? It is well with my soul because of Christ. The Bible doesn't guarantee it will be well with your bank account all the time. But does God provide? Amen. Hallelujah. But sometimes he provides later to stretch our faith. So please don't complain. Because if you complain, it means you don't understand. It means we don't study the Holy Scriptures. But because we're studying, if ever we go through trials, we say, Thank you, Lord. Give me the right heart and the right mind and the right perspective to face this trial in you. But this text is really not about how Israel went through the trials. It's not really about Israel, although we can learn something from them and we will learn something from them. It's really about God. About God still being faithful despite us being unfaithful. So I say to you again, God is good. Can you say God is good? Point number one, God showed the glory to Israel. He provided them with quail for meat in the evening and bread with the Jew. God remained faithful to his promise to take care of the nation. He will fulfill his purpose. You see, they wanted meat or they wanted food. God sent them quail. Isn't that amazing? When you want food, it's just the food who comes to you. In the farm, we have to catch the chickens, okay? The chickens don't come to us. Come here, you'll be tinola later. They don't just walk to you, okay? They run away from you. So uh, the quail went to them, went to them. And in the morning uh, with the Jew, when the Jew lifted and then the bread was there, the bread from heaven was there. And the instruction was to what? Get enough what your family needs. And it was estimated that an omer, an omer is between 1.5 to 1.7 kilograms. It's like the ganta of the market here you know the ganta if some of you well it's not everybody's using it anymore uh, but it's like a jar with maybe 24 eggs something like that okay so that's the size for a whole day so they would in the morning just get harvest the food well pick up the food not harvest pick up the food uh, from outside every day but the the rule was get just enough just enough, not more. You see, God would test them with, by giving them an instruction. Ah, now we understand more about God that he tests. So let's read point number two. Some did not take heed of the Lord's commands with regard to the bread from heaven. Some took more than what they needed and it rotted. Nasira. Don't let it go beyond evening, you know, the day. So it trotted, it bred worms, and it smelled foul. And Moses' patience was being tested. Ang kulit sabi ng yung kaya lang. Now, on one part, you understand Israel. Okay? They've been through the wilderness wondering, are we going to eat? Are we going to eat? So when they saw food, they got more than what they needed. A fear of, of losing, uh, of not having food. Now, although we understand them, we do not tolerate it. 
God did not tolerate it. So if some of you are saying, oh, God understands me. Yes, he understands you, but he will not tolerate you. You understand that? Oh, God understands my weakness. Yes, he does. But that doesn't mean your, your sin will not have consequences. That doesn't mean he will not discipline you. In his way, in his wisdom, I believe he always does. Sometimes gently, but yet sometimes firmly and painfully. So uh, they did not listen. They got more than, than uh, some think maybe because they were greedy. Well, probably. But it's, I believe, more because of they're not sure if there's going to be bread tomorrow. Not trusting God again. And then God said, on the sixth day, get double. Because the next day, I want you to rest. I'm paraphrasing. It's a Sabbath. Nobody should work on the last day. We are stubborn at times when the Bible has clearly instructed us what is good and what is not good. And still we disobey. We are stubborn at times. Can you admit with me that we are stubborn sometimes? Some of you do not agree with me because you are stubborn most of the time, right? Uh, so you don't agree with me. Some of you agree with me that we are stubborn sometimes. But we have to be conscious about it. What did God, God's word say again? Okay, okay, I want to follow that because I trust God. Because I trust Him. Uh, not because I trust in my own senses. My own senses, my own upbringing might affect me. You see, in this world, like in America, their culture affected their Christianity, which is not good. It's all about wealth and prosperity. And they don't teach about sin and suffering. I do believe it's in the Bible as well that, yes, there are people blessed to be like King David, a king. And there are those who are blessed in a mission like John the Baptist, who had no kingdom. He had camel's uh, skin to wear and ate locust and wild honey. No servants, but both were God's people, God's servants. Yet, it is being preached elsewhere, especially in the West, that if you are poor, there's something wrong with your faith. That is not biblical, my friends. That is not biblical. Name it and claim it and you will have it. God has no choice but to give it to you. Oh, brother. He has no choice. Do you even understand the sovereignty of God? There are times that, that, that God's people prayed and there are times he said no. Okay? He has no choice. Jesus prayed, let this cup pass from me. But not my will be done, but your will be done. Okay, so Moses instructed Aaron to take a pot and put an omer of manna in it. It shall be kept for generations. Israel would eat manna for 40 years. God wanted the generations to remember what he did for Israel. What he did for Israel. So uh, the instruction was so that they will remember. And not to forget. Remember what God did so that we can trust him in the present. We can trust him for our future because of what he did in the past. He has proven himself. Quickly, in application, just to remind you of the points. Number one, let us see God's glory by studying his word. God showed his glory to Israel. 
to prove that he is the God who provided for them. And by worshiping him in spirit and in truth, we shall see his glory. The word of God and through sincere worship. Let us believe that he shall do all he promised through Christ. Everything. Everything he promised through Christ, he shall do. Number two, let us believe in his instructions and obey them. We may not know all the explanations now. Sometimes I, why, why, why? Sometimes I don't know why. But I trust God that in due time he will explain to me why. One time in our home there was a burglar who came in and out. And my mother was waking me up. Wake up, wake up. Come, let's go to the sala. Why? See, and there was a, this jealousy, a part of a window that was taken from my room. They probably thought of entering through my room. So why? So I didn't want to get up because I, I, I was so sleepy. Because we were all sleepy because it seemed like they threw some gas, some sleeping gas. So we were, we were kind of tired. So we were all there and, uh, and we evaluated the situations. The burglars have gone away. Uh, but my mother said, in situations like that, trust me, don't ask why, I'll explain later. There are times we have to trust the why, the explanation, later. Right? So even as a pastor, I can't explain to you immediately because sometimes to explain the why, I need a seminar with you. Yes, some of you only understood me after some seminars. Oh, that's why, pastor. Yeah, that's why. But sometimes it takes time for me. So when I say to you, young men, young ladies, do not marry anybody who does not love God more than you. Do not marry anybody who is not grounded in the scriptures. Because I guarantee you there will be more chance of conflict there than a marriage within God's will or God's word. I'm not saying there will be no conflict if it's within God's word. I'm saying there will be less. Can you imagine if it's not there? Not, you're not, you don't have a common ground to believe in. Or what's right, what's wrong, what should be. Terrible. So when I say that to you, don't be stubborn, young man. Amen. And when I say to you, do not base everything on looks. Because looks fade away. They all fade. It's the inner beauty that stays. And that's what we look for first. So when I say to you, no girlfriend at this stage, do I have to explain why always? Too early. Let us follow God's instructions. Let's trust him. Yet we should trust him to avoid the consequences of not obeying. The consequences of not obeying. When I mentor people, whether in business or in church, one thing I teach them is to respect others, but not only respect others. Be consistent in how you serve them. Because if you are not consistent, clients will not trust you. Clients would begin to their trust will erode and they will look for another provider. The same way in Christ, we have to be consistently serving him, consistently trusting him. 
God said to Israel, on the last day you shall not work, you will get double. Yet they did not believe. They went out to look for more bread. There was no bread. Rest. So I say to you, brothers and sisters, it doesn't have to be a Saturday. Sometimes you work on a Saturday. Some of you, it's Sunday is the rest day, but it's not. Some of you work on a Sunday, but find a day to do nothing. But sleep, rest, pray, read your Bible, listen to some nice gospel songs and relax. Why? If you don't rest, you know what will happen? Your performance will deteriorate in work or in business. It will deteriorate. We need to be fresh. Even double the work one day so that you're fresh another day. So that you can recharge. There must be a day you don't think of work. In fact, there are times I believe I should have days. But to those who are lazy, one day is enough of rest. Some always say, it's my rest day. I thought that was yesterday. Your rest day again today? And then the next day for the lazy, get to work. All right? Get to work. Number three, let us remember the mighty deeds of God and His faithfulness. Yes, God is faithful. He was faithful to Israel. He was faithful in the early church. He's faithful to us. Even in our personal lives. Remember the times He answered all those prayers of yours. And you can say He's faithful. But if He says no, we still have to trust Him. Amen? Pastor, I've been praying for this. It never came. Maybe it's not God's will. And you should be happy that God is leading you if it is not his will. But sometimes we are obsessed. Obsession is not a good thing. One of the basics, parable of the sower, instructs us or implies to us that all desires are like thorns. Thorns that choke the word. Our desire must be lined up with the will of God. With the word of God. God is faithful. Can you say God is faithful? faithful. Every time you you find yourself in a very difficult position, say God is faithful. If God takes away something from you, what's your response? Say God is faithful. Say it, God is faithful. When he blesses you with something like manna from heaven, provision for food, payment for tuition fees, or whatever, you say, God is faithful. Say it. Because he is faithful. Every food you see in front of the table, in your heart, you say to God, you are faithful. Every time. You find yourself losing a lot of money because you believed in that scammer. And you invested without consulting your pastor who has a master's degree in business and a doctor's degree in business. <laughs> when I was in Manila, early in the morning, 6 a.m., no, even before 5, my phone would ring. I would ask, hello, hello, pwede po kayo, GMA7, there's a scam that happened, we need your input. So I go there early, and then I found out, what happened? He said, 16 billion or 17, I can't recall, or 12, pagadian. Then I came here, first year I came here, I hear about 2 billion being swindled from Naga. Some even presented to me, I won't say. 
An elder said, oh, may, uh, may, may check it daw kapalit. I said, what's the interest rate? 5% per month. Promise to us? Promise to us. I said, that's a lie. It's 60% a year. That's too good a business. That's too good a business to make it work. I have coached so many small and large businesses. I've been to different parts of the world. And I'm not bragging. I'm telling you this. When I say don't easily believe these things. You hear me? Why? Let me give to you a mini seminar. Forgive me. It's a little late. But let me give you a mini seminar. Financial institutions like banks or insurance companies, get your money for, with a promise. Give us your money and we promise you'll have this. What do they do with the money? When they promised so many, they cannot get money from others to pay you. That is called a Ponzi scheme. That is illegal. They have to grow the money deposited to them. Whether it's an insurance company, an investment company, they have to invest that and grow that money, either investing in stocks, investing in real estate, and other projects. So if the money grows and you, the promise to you is 20 years, you get it back. They have grown that money, and because of the trick of inflation, what you think you're going to get is high, it's actually low because of the inflation metric. But the point is they have to grow it before they can give it to you. Don't be stubborn. Some of you are so stubborn. Some of you will invest because your ears are tickled. Huh? 5%? Some like 10%. Your ears are so tickled. And then you're given an opportunity with a legit financial advisor. I'm not a financial advisor. I'm an investment advisor. With a legit company, you say, Ambaba. That's legit. I'll give another seminar on, but I won't sell anything to you. Some of these financial literary classes, because they are selling something to you. I'm going to teach you so that you can be wise. Not just wise, but wise. You know what wise is? Clever, not only wise. Catch them in their own game. Shame them in their own game. We expose them early. Listen to God's instructions. Trust God is faithful. Trust that God will faithfully supply all our needs according to His way and His will. Trust Him. And you know what? Whatever we learn from Him in His faithfulness, the stories, our stories, our stories, your stories of His faithfulness must be passed on, must be shared. You know, the omer of manna must be seen by the next generation and the next generation. So that they would say as well, God is faithful. So that our children will say, God is faithful. Don't just gather week after week with family. Without talking about the faithfulness of God. Without sharing about a testimony of how good God is. Do not waste the opportunity. Find ways where you can say, God is faithful. And this he did for us. That's why in our growth groups, we have that simple step. And I advise that for every growth group. A simple, simple preparation before we talk about God's word is share the goodness of God in your life for the past week. So we share, this is my blessing from God. Why? Others must know. And then the next generation must know.
You know, you don't just talk to the next generation of how good they should be. It's a relationship, not about goodness alone. It's not just about their success, only nagging them about their success. We share to them gladly about God's goodness. Others must know, after we are long dead, the story of His faithfulness through our lives must be shared. It must continue. It must be worth sharing. So I say to you, who are you? After you're dead, what shall we remember about you? Do we remember the goodness of God or the faithfulness of God? Or we just remember how good a singer you are or how good a dancer you are or how a, how a genius you are. Is that what you want? I say to you as believers, first and foremost, we want them to understand and believe in the faithfulness of God because of our lives. Let us all stand and let us pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. You have been faithful to Israel and you have been faithful to us through Christ. And even sometimes when they are unfaithful, you remain faithful. And even today at times when we are unfaithful, you remain faithful. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. I pray for each one to be blessed abundantly, especially with wisdom. That in the small instructions you give us, teach us to be conscious. Because we want to follow. Because we trust in your word. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of His Spirit be with you all. And God's people say, Amen. Palakpakan natin ang Panginoon.